So the title of this message this morning is Do What You Can. We'll explain that in a minute. Let's go to Mark chapter 14, beginning in verse 3. Familiar passage of Scripture, preached on it many times or referred to it many times in Scriptures. Um, but there's, there's two statements in here that Jesus said that I, that I never really picked up on before. And actually, actually, the Holy Spirit quickened me two or three weeks ago when Joyce was preaching here on Thursday night, and she was a different theme, but she was hitting on that, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit brought it, brought it to, my, uh, to my knowledge, to my understanding, and I said, yes, and then a whole sermon came of that. I remember when it, you were counted faithful when you attended three times a week. How many remember those days? Yeah, there's like 10 of us left. Now if you attend three times a month, you're, yeah, praise God. Being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper. Now, Simon was probably healed at this point, so I don't know why he still has the leper on there. But as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster box, a very costly oil of spikenard. How many remember this story? She broke the flask and poured it on his Head, uh huh. How many know there's always one? Well, in this case, there were several, but there were some who were indignant among themselves. What do you think about that? Oh, 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 oh. and said, Why was this fragrant oil wasted? Oh, praise God. By the way, I heard from a couple people. But the fragrance was right back in that corner this morning, and people were actually smelling a fragrance. From Did you all up here too? Actually smelled a fragrance. Well, the Bible says that our worship is sweet incense unto the Lord. So when you smell that, that's, that's the worship and the praise. You say, no, that can't be. Those people just had too much perfume on. No, no, no. You, I've, I've smelled that before many times. It's the sweet presence of God because he sits in the praises. Why was this fragrant oil wasted? It might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. What they really was thinking, I could have had that in my pocket. And they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, aren't you glad when the Lord speaks up on your defense, amen? Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? And here it is. She has done a good work for me. Did you all know you can work for him? Did you know you can do things he appreciates? He has, she has done a good work. Listen, you have the poor with you always. You're never going to solve that problem, regardless of what people, how much money they throw at it. Y'all know we've thrown billions and billions of dollars at the poverty issue, and we still haven't solved it. There will always be the poor, not that we don't do it, not that we don't help, but listen, it, what's more important than that is just being with Jesus. You have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me, you do not have always. She, and here's the second thing, she has done what she could. 
She's come before and in my body for burial. Surely I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached at Journey Life Center, what this woman has will also be as a memorial to her. Point number one, don't let people talk you down. And don't talk yourself. That's probably the bigger problem. And we get these things in our head. I'm no good. I don't qualify. I can't do that. Pastor asked me to do it, but he don't know who I really am. I, I, I just don't know how to do that. I'm not qualified. And we talk ourselves out thinking that we don't, you know, we're not good enough. We're not able. We're not trained. We're not old enough. We're too old. We, we get all these, all these things in our minds and that, we, that, that what we can't do and why we can't do it. And, and that's exactly what they were trying to do to this woman. She's trying to do a good thing, and they were criticizing and probably the number one thing, reason people don't step up and do something for the Lord is because they're afraid they'll get criticized. So let me, give, let me assure you of something. Are you ready for this? You will be. <laughs> let me just settle that. Whenever you step up and do something, the enemy, see, the enemy doesn't care that you come to church. The enemy doesn't care that you sit in the pew. The enemy doesn't care if you come every single Sunday and sit in the pew. What he cares about is when you start realizing, I qualify. When you start realizing, I can do something for the kingdom. And he doesn't care how little or big it is. When you step out to do something, he's like, hmm, we're going we're gonna to stop this. We're gonna, but amen, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Don't worry about what the devil's going to do because... You are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus the Lord. And regardless of how many devils there are, remember there are twice as many angels. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. The devil is outnumbered. And you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. I like this because Jesus would have none of it. He said, leave this. Woman alone, close your mouth, quit your griping, <sighs> leave her alone. And I wonder how many times Jesus rebukes the enemy in your life. Sometimes you do something and, and the devil, will not, he won't say you're not qualified. He'll say it ain't nothing. It's not important. Oh, you think you're. I don't care how little it is. I mean, all, I mean, it was expensive, but all she did was break a box, basically. It wasn't that hard. It was a one-time act. It did cost a lot, probably her life savings. But you hear what I'm saying? The enemy will find anything and everything to criticize you for what you do for the Lord, little, great, or small. Amen. He will try, but you have got to stop listening to that. And let me give you a reason here. Psalms 103 and verse 14. He, he knows you. He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. He knows you. He knows what you could do, what you can't do. He knows your faults. He knows your uprisings and your downsittings. 
He knows all that, and yet he calls you to do something for him. Sometimes I prayed, God, you're crazy. Why do you trust these people? Why do you trust me? Especially when you have a record of failure. And still, he calls us. Still, he wants us to get involved. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. He doesn't forget. I I like to think it's in a book. It's recorded somehow. It'll be brought up again. Amen. What you've done for the Lord might not get a claim here. Maybe no one will recognize you here. Uh, a lot of the things that are done in this church, you know, it gets me sometimes when someone finally steps up and does something and they think they're all that. They spent 30 minutes doing something. They're like, well, where's my thank you? I want to send them to the people who do two, three, four hours a week that are con- without pay, that are out there doing something great. Listen, it doesn't matter, little or great, God, God is in it. There's a reward for what you do. Oh, praise God, amen. He knows us, and he recognizes our contribution, and he loves it. Jesus loves it when you do something because you're doing it for him. How many believe Jesus is appreciative? <laughs> I like that. Jesus is appreciative. Number two, number two, there's only, there's only 12 points, so we're moving right along. <laughs> number two, the Lord, what you got to realize uh, is the Lord has need of you. What? Yeah, he, he's chosen to work this way. The Lord has need of you. In G- Genesis chapter 2, Verse 4 and 5, there's, there's this interesting scripture. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens before any plant of the field was in the earth and before any herb of the field had grown. For the Lord had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man, say no man, to till the ground. In other words, God said, I'm not sending the rain because there's no one to take care of the harvest. And I think that principle applies today. You say, why doesn't God bless? God can't bless a church if no one's willing to step up and reap the harvest. Why would God bless a church when they're not determined to disciple the people he sends? God's not, God's not going to bless you in certain ways until you're willing to take responsibility. Those that are faithful over a little are put over more. Come on, come on, church. So he says, I'm not sending the rain because I don't have a man. Can't bless the church because no one will do anything. Listen, I counsel with pastors all the time. God's just not going to bless when no one will take responsibility Remember the parables of I gave him one talent and five talents and ten talents, and one guy buried it. We've got to start using the gifts we have and use it for the kingdom. 
You have gifts. Even unsaved people have gifts because we're made that way. Let's take music, for example. People have musical gifts. God gave them that to, to use for the kingdom of God. Then they go to the bars and the honky-tonks. That's wasted. Uh, that's another. Praise God, the Lord has need of you. I got this idea from Luke chapter uh, 19. Look at this real quick, familiar passage again. He said, go into the, Jesus is getting ready to go into Jerusalem, right? This is just before the crucifixion. Go into the village opposite you over there, where as you enter, you will find a cold time. This, this is what I call cool Jesus. He's, he's, he's prophetic. He, how many know he could have snapped his fingers and created a donkey? <laughs> no, he said, I, I, I see, I see, if, if people did this day, we'd call them crazy. I see a donkey in the city, right, right as you come in the door, and it's tied to something there. He says, when you see it, and he said, no one's ever sat on it before, loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, my God, if anyone messes with you, if anyone challenges you, come on, church. If anyone tells you, why are you doing this? Who appointed you? What gives you the right? Why do you think you're qualified? If anyone tells you, asks you, uh, why are you loosing it? You tell them, because the Lord has need of it. Amen. The next time someone tries to put you down, you just let them know. Not pridefully, but just tell them, the Lord called me. You're special because God called you to do what you do. I don't care what it is. If God called before I got called to preach, I told God, uh, I'll, 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 I'll vacuum, I'll clean toilets. I'm still doing it. Whatever it is, I'll do it. And it was when I was willing to do anything that God got specific and called me to what I'm doing today. Amen. You just let the devil know when he criticizes, when he tears you down, when he tells you you're not qualified. You just let him know, the Lord has need of me. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. He knew exactly where that donkey was. He knew exactly, and, 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 and it has to be untied. People pray for deliverance. You're delivered for a purpose. And once he sets you free, find out why. Find out the why and do what God has called you to do. Can I get an amen? You are, uh, here's another thing. That donkey was positioned your future is positioned. Your calling, everything is positioned. You're set up for a miracle if you'll just say yes. Wow. Praise God. Isn't it interesting that Jesus needed a donkey? He needs us. Not because he can't just, but because it's the system that's been created. That unless he has a man to take care of the garden, he will not send the blessing. Wow. Praise God. Praise God. Next point, number three. Don't get weary in well-doing. We know Galatians chapter 6, verse 8. Galatians 6, 
For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. He who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, say due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. If we've learned anything about COVID, it's the devil wants to wear us out. He just wants to wear us out. And we're, I think we're, we feel more tired and more exhausted. I don't know why. We, we were in our caves for months. <laughs> but we, we just came out exhausted. It drained us. And more than, more than ever before, and I, I guess that's something I started to tell you earlier, that the number one thing pastors tell me is, how do you get people to do anything? It's the number one problem pastors face. And it's one of the main reasons they're quitting. Because the churches are just saying, listen, we pay you, do it. All we want to do is show up. And they're exhausted and they're burned out because they're doing other people's jobs instead of doing what God has called them to do. Wow. My God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Pastors today are too afraid of what people think, and they want to make sure everyone knows how busy they are. I'm busy. I, I, don't, I don't want to send that message. You need to know I know how to be lazy. You need to know that. It's the 10th gift of the Spirit. Sometimes, listen, I'm really good at resting. And I need to be. And most pastors won't admit that. They want to send the image that they're 24 hours. I'm on call 24 hours a day. Doesn't mean anyone's calling you. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> but they want you to know they're on call 24 hours a day. And if you call them at 3 o'clock in the morning, they'll fuss at you for doing that. Listen, 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 listen. We all need to know how to work and rest. Work and rest. Six days work, one day in church resting. That's why some of you sleep through the sermon. All right, let's get going. <laughs> I think there's one more verse. Therefore, as we have, let us do, do good, do good, do good to all, especially those who are of the household of faith. Sometimes we say we need to take care of our own first. That's Bible. That's Bible. We got to take care of us and take care of everyone else that we can. My God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 11. We're almost there. Hang on. I know your stomachs are groaning. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner because there's always one. Only one answered that. Not working at all, but busybodies. The only muscle they work is. Got an opinion on everything. Gather other people. Pass their opinion on to them. Not, they don't do anything, but they got an opinion on everything. Those people aren't here this morning, so don't worry about it. <laughs> now, those who are such 
We command. Whoa. Did you know pastors can command? And exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness. In other words, work and shut your mouth. Wow. And eat their own bread. Woo. But as for you, brethren, for those that are working, do not grow weary in doing good. Wow. Are you with me? Are you with me? Hebrews chapter 12, familiar verse. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather be healed. Wow. I think we have this in another version, Look in the Passion. So be made strong even in your weakness by lifting up your tired hands in prayer and worship and strengthen your weak knees. For as you keep walking forward on God's path, all your stumbling ways will be divinely healed. Woo, I like that. I think we have it in the message too. I'm going to say it every way you can get it. So don't sit around on your hands. No more dragging your feet. Clear the path for long-distance runners so no one will trip and fall, so no one will step in a hole and sprain an ankle. Help each other out and run for it. Amen. I like that. Praise God. Just, just, just get it straight and run for it. Last point, last point. There really aren't 12. We are rewarded according to our works. Mm-hmm. Now, some people say, heaven's my reward. No, it's not. Rewards are earned. Heaven's not your reward. Someone else paid for that. Someone else gave that to you. If you go to heaven, it's because someone else got you there. That's not your reward. You didn't earn it. You weren't that good. In fact, you deserve the other place. But aren't you grateful, amen, that we can go because of Jesus? So what is this? People say they went to their reward. Well, that's true. That's okay. Because there are rewards. There are awards. <laughs> and you get them based on your works. Wow. Now, those, your works are recorded, and it will determine, what? Mm. It will determine your status in heaven. I know people like to put it, that's, well, that determines the size of your mansion. Literally in the Greek, it's not the word mansion. God has prepared a place in my, my father's house or many mansions. Amen. Look up that Greek word. It's not the word mansion. It's the word place. There are many places. There's a, wow, there's a place. Remember the donkey. There's a place prepared for you. He already knows. Now, some of you might be in a one-bedroom shack. Others maybe more, and it doesn't matter how much you do, it's how much you did according to what you were called to do. You could do a lot, but still fall short. Oh, preacher, you're not, you're not preaching the Scripture. Yeah, yeah, I am. 
And, and, listen, and listen to this about heaven. Heaven is not so much a place. Heaven is being with him. Jesus never really describes heaven. Did you notice that? All he said about heaven is, that's where I am. Do we re- we talk about going to heaven for all eternity. Do you realize the book of Revelation said that heaven comes to earth? So we're going to live on this planet for a long time. Y'all need to treat it better. No, he's going to burn everything and start over. Come on. I know people trying to stop fires, but Jesus is going to set them. Amen. The whole earth is going to be burned. He's going to start all over. And he said, heaven is coming to earth. In other words, in other words, he's moving the throne. To, amen. It's going to be a city. I don't know what it looks like, but I know how big it is. It's 1,500 miles one way, 1,500 miles the other way, and 1,500 miles high. That's just one town. That's the capital city. Woo, glory to God. He said, how in the world we're going to get around? Well, you're going to have spirit bodies. When you die, you, you leave your body here. You're in your spirit. I said, where am I going to be? You're going to be with Jesus. That's all I know. That's really all I care about. I'd rather be with Jesus than in a holding zone. Some people, some of you might have to spend some time in purgatory. I don't know. Some of you don't know what purgatory is. No, there's no purgatory. When you die, if you're saved, you're going to see Jesus. He'll be the first face you see, and you'll spend that time with him. But at some point, we get on our horse, and we ride back to planet Earth, and all that, and then that city that he creates comes down. He said, well, what will I? your body gets resurrected and you have a spirit body. He said, what does that look like? I don't know, but probably will look like Jesus after he was resurrected. He was able to walk through doors and walls. He appeared. He disappeared. He ascended into heaven. And at the same time, he sat down and ate with the disciples and told Thomas to put his hand in his side. So I don't know what that all looks like, but I'm going to have a spirit body. Amen. That's going to be good because there are no elevators, 1,500-mile-high building. So you say, I want to go to floor 10,594. Poof, there you are. Why did God make this whole universe? We'll never get there. We're lucky to have gotten to the moon. But I believe... One day, our spirit bodies, we can go to any planet, anywhere in the universe. Woo! I just believe that. And if not, I won't, I won't complain. Uh, but how many of there's no complaining in heaven? Amen. And don't you even talk about who your neighbor is. All right, let's move on. How many know there's not going to be any, any kind of racial divides in heaven? How, how many know it's not going to be rich and poor? Amen. But, but listen, listen, I, I, want, I want you to understand that, that we will be rewarded according to our works. So there is that in heaven. Wow. Matthew 16, verse 26. Do you want me to explain that a little? Because it will take five minutes. How many will... What profit is a man if he gains the whole world, loses his soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then, say then, he will reward 
say, me, according to my works. Is that clear enough? And how does it happen? First Corinthians, last verse, last four verses. First Corinthians, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. There's not going to be anybody criticizing your work. There's nobody going to be saying, oh, I don't know about him, because he knows. So it'll become clear for the day, capital D, will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. In other words, whatever's not real is going to get burned up. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Now, some people get their rewards down here. You don't take that with you. If you want to be recognized, well, no one ever thanked me. You ought to be happy. If anyone's work which is built on endures, if it endures the fire, whatever's not, what, listen, whatever was done with wrong motives will get burned up. Whatever you did that you got credit for down here will get burned up. Whatever you did that hurt people will get burned up. But if it endures the fire, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. It doesn't affect your salvation. What you do or don't do doesn't affect your salvation, but it affects your rewards. Does that make sense? Does that help anybody? We, this is what we have, we have to understand how it works. And that's exactly how it works. When I get to heaven, which is the presence of God, and we get to see, the, how many know in the Old Testament the Holy Spirit worked differently? In the Old Testament, he would come upon someone for, for, to do one job, and then the Spirit would lift. So in the Old Testament, you didn't walk, you didn't walk around with the Holy Spirit. You, the Holy Spirit would come upon you and you would, like Gideon, the Spirit would come upon Gideon. He would do, or Samson would come upon Samuel. He would do great things. But after the battle's over, is that the way it works in the New Testament? So, so when I get to heaven, I want to ask Moses, what was it like to stretch your rod up over that and, that, and, and, and the Red Sea just part? Samson, what was it like when you picked that jawbone up <laughs> and killed a thousand people? Gideon, what was that? What was that like to, to lead 300 men into battle and defeat an army 100 times bigger than yours? Well, I think as I walk away, I think one of them would say, Hey, Bruce, what was it like to have the Holy Spirit live in you all the time? What was it like to get up with the Spirit, go to bed with the Spirit, face every trial with the Spirit? Ah! When you're praying in the spirit, what was it like to pray in the spirit, to walk in the spirit? What's it like to have the spirit not come and go, but he's there all the time? What's it like, Bruce? Woo! Aren't you glad you were born in the New Testament? Yeah, God did some really great things, but they came and they went. But he's working constantly and using everybody 
to do whatever needs to be done. The Lord has need of you. Do what you can.